Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Faithfulness. It's one of the supreme attributes uh, that we find no matter whether it's in marriage or business or friendship. Faithfulness is a key quality. In fact, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6, Solomon wrote this. He said, most men will proclaim each his own goodness. In other words, look at me. Look what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. Look how good I am. But then he says this. He asked this question. But who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man? What a, what a great question. Who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful woman? Oftentimes, faithfulness is a quality that we ascribe, ascribe to God. We sing hymns like, great is thy faithfulness, right? Great is thy faithfulness. But the question here is reversed. Solomon writes, who can find a faithful man? There was a husband who was very faithful to his wife. He loved her very dearly, but the problem was his wife was a very jealous person. And uh, he was always trying to convince her because she eyed him suspiciously that he was faithful to her, that he loved her. He had the kind of job that he had to wear a, a suit to work every day, and so he dressed very nice and went off to work and to wear a suit. And one day he came home and he had a blonde hair that was on his suit, and she suspiciously said, you've been, how dare you, how, how dare you cheat on me with a blonde woman? He said, I didn't, I love you, I would never do that, I love you very much, I'd never do that. I can't believe it. Then next time he came home, he had a, a red hair on his suit, and she said, how dare you cheat on me with a red-haired woman? And it went on, I didn't cheat, I promise, I'm faithful to you, I love you, I'd never do that. Then it was a, a, a brown hair, and finally he, he said, you know, i got to do something about this. So he got a lint brush, and he put it in his car, and so when he got home, before he went in the house, he brushed everything off and cleaned up his suit, and there was not a hair on his suit, and he walked in, and he kissed his wife and bent down, thinking that she would be so happy because there was nothing on his suit for which to be suspicious. And she pushed him away and said, get away from me. And he said, what? What's wrong? She goes, I can't believe it. How dare you cheat on me with a bald woman? Oh, faithfulness, right? Who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful woman? Well, God did. In fact, in Numbers chapter 12, God says of Moses, he says this, he was faithful in all of my house. Nehemiah had found a, a faithful man and a guy by the name of Hananiah when he was rebuilding the walls. He described him as a faithful man who feared God more than most who feared God more than most. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke of a a faithful and a a wise servant who was to assume control of his master's goods. He, He wrote this at the end of the parable, Luke 19, 17. Well done, good and faithful servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Faithfulness. Friends, God loves faithfulness. Faithfulness is a quality, it's one of the attributes of everything that we might want to possess, whether it be competence or character or something of of, of value, talents or something like that. Uh, Faithfulness needs to be at the top of the list. As one leader said, the greatest ability is dependability, dependability. 
So today we're going to look at just the beginning of Daniel chapter 6. I was really tempted. I love Daniel chapter 6, all about the lion's den. You know, if you've been in Sunday school and, the, you, know, the, uh, the, you know, all the felt board things and everything, you love the story of Daniel and the lion's den. I wanted to go through the whole thing, but today I'm just going to look at the first 10 verses. And I want to look at the faithfulness of Daniel today because we find four qualities of faithfulness in Daniel in the first 10 verses of, of this particular story. So Daniel chapter 6, if you downloaded our church app, you can follow along. We have app notes there. You can even fill in the blank and email them to yourself. But the first area is this. Daniel was faithful consistently. Daniel was faithful consistently. Let's just get some background on this. Where is Daniel chapter 6? Where are we at in this context? You see, if you remember from last week, didn't Pastor James do a great job last week with teaching? Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he did a great job. And that Daniel chapter 5, we ended up, and there was a change. A change in kingdom and a change in king. If you remember, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And years before, 70 years before, he had gone in Jerusalem and he had taken exiles back. Daniel was one of those exiles. And throughout Nebuchadnezzar's life, he was up and down. God has revealed himself and he would turn away in pride. And, and then finally he died. And there were several kings in history that transitioned. And finally in Daniel chapter 5, we have a king by the name of Belshazzar that has taken over. Belshazzar takes over when the Medo and the Persian kingdom is starting to come and there's a collapse that is happening of the Babylonian kingdom on the outskirts. But Babylon still stands and there were great walls around Babylon. It was, it was, they were very thick and you could ride chariots across. And so Belshazzar thought that his kingdom was safe because Jerusalem was safe and nobody was going to be able to get through those walls. And so he decided he was going to have a party. And when Nebuchadnezzar had taken over Jerusalem, he destroyed the temple and he brought brought back some of the articles that were in the temple. And so Belshazzar takes out those articles and begins to use them in a drunken party. And then the hand comes out and there was writing on the wall. You'd have to go back and read it if you weren't here last week or listen to the message. And Daniel comes in to interpret and what he says is, Belshazzar, your time is up. Your days are up. Your days are numbered and the, num and the, and the kingdom of Babylon is going to fall. And that night it did, and a new kingdom came in, the Medo-Persian kingdom, and a new ruler that we're introduced to in Daniel chapter 6 by the name of Darius the Mede comes in. Now historically, Cyrus the Persian was the true ruler and the true king, and Darius, uh, in history known as Gobrius, was simply a viceroy uh, of such. Nevertheless, he ruled the region of Babylon. He was the ruler, and he's the one that we see here. And so Babylon had fallen, just like it was predicted in Daniel chapter 2, and the arms of chest and silver, the Medo-Persian Empire is now fully in control. But our focus isn't on the Medo-Persian Empire, and our focus isn't even on Darius. Our focus today is on Daniel, because if we look at the first couple of verses, we see that Daniel was faithful consistently. Let's take a look at verse 1, Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. This is the organization of government. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds of charge against Daniel in his conduct of governmental affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, or the word can be translated faithful. Because he was trustworthy or faithful, neither corrupt nor 
negligent. See, Daniel in this organization and the way that government was set up, he was one of three who then led the 120 satraps over the rulers. So they were like governors or administrators, and they had to answer to one of these three leaders, and Daniel was one of these three leaders. Now, you have to understand what's interesting is, and we sometimes miss this, that Daniel here in this particular chapter where we get to Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel is actually 85 years old at this point. Seventy years has passed since he was taken into captivity, and he's about 85 years old. What's also interesting is that in chapter 1, he was a teenager, and in chapter 1, he purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled with the king's food. He would not be let himself be defiled. And we find 70 years later, at age 85, that he is still found trustworthy and faithful. Friends, Daniel was faithful consistently. Faithfulness isn't doing the right things once. Faithfulness is doing the right thing over and over and over. For 70 years, Daniel was found faithful through different kingdoms and different administrators and different bosses, different people in charge. Every time, Daniel distinguished himself because he was faithful consistently. It's interesting, we have a missionary today, but I want to tell you the story about another missionary by the name of William Carey, who as a young man felt the call to go to India. And, uh, and as he felt that call, he talked to his dad about it, but his dad wasn't very happy about him going to India and tried to discourage him. His dad would say to him, you know what, you can't go to India, you're not intellectually qualified. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. What are you going to do? You're not going to be effective. You can't, you can't do that. Don't you? You shouldn't even go. And William Carey responded to his father this way, but I can plod. Plod. I can plod. I can put one foot in front of the other and plod along. Friends, let me tell you something. You may not feel like the most competent. You may not feel as if you have the gifts or you have the ability. But when God is calling you to do something, when you follow Jesus, faithfulness goes a long way. We can plod. You can put one foot in front of the other. Long obedience in the same direction. That's another way of saying faithfulness. Long obedience in the same direction direction. That was Daniel, 70 years of consistent faithfulness. Secondly, Daniel was faithful professionally. He was faithful professionally. Verses 2 and 3 talk about how the kingdom was set up, three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. What we're talking about here is Daniel professionally. And it says this, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned on setting him over the entire kingdom. Daniel was faithful professionally. Daniel was one of three that 120 satraps had to answer to. He was in a new kingdom. He had just finished the Babylonian kingdom. Now the Medo-Persians came in, and still at 85 years of age, he distinguished himself enough that, that when Darius came in, he said, you know what, I got to keep that guy on the team. And you know what, that guy is really good. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm planning on setting him up over everything. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he set him up? Because Daniel was faithful professionally. Whether it was back in chapter 1 when Daniel purposed in his heart not to file himself against the Lord and set him, God set him apart because he was faithful to the Lord and he demonstrated faithfulness and because of that he was shown to be above he and Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, or you might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were set up apart from everybody else 
and were elevated to positions of leadership. And that continued in Daniel chapter 2 when, when the king had a dream that nobody else could interpret and nobody else could even tell the dream and it was an impossible task. Daniel went to prayer and in prayer and in fasting he was faithful and then he stood up before the, the, the king and he said, God has given me your dream. It isn't me. God has given me the dream and the interpretation. And faithfully he shared about the dream and the interpretation and shared with Nebuchadnezzar guiding what he should do. And Nebuchadnezzar saw something and said, you know what, I'm going to elevate you even more and promote you. Over and over and over again, even in chapter 5, he, Belshazzar, he made that proclamation, your kingdom is going to fall, and Belshazzar, even not knowing the kingdom is going to fall, you're going to be third ruler over all the kingdom. Why? Because Daniel consistently, consistently was faithful, consistently and professionally. You know, that ought to be us. We ought to let our light so shine before men that they see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. I mean, Matthew chapter 5, 14 says, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And in verse 16, that's what he said. Let your light so shine before men. You know, besides our families, you know where we tend to spend the most time? At work. There's a study that says that if you work until the age of 70, that the accumulation of all your hours of work equals 20 years. Aside from your family, the people that look at you, that know you, that see your character, that know what you do and what you don't do, that watch your attitude, happens at work. Your greatest opportunity to be able to be a witness of, of God's faithfulness is professionally. Professionally. For 70 years, Daniel was on the job. And he was faithful professionally. He distinguished himself. In fact, the Aramaic principle here in this language really reads this way, Daniel was regularly distinguishing himself. In other words, he had a good work ethic. Friends, if you want to be the best witness, you've got to have a good work ethic. As followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus, we ought to do excellent in our work. Why? Because we do it as unto the Lord, right? As unto the Lord. You work as unto the Lord. Work is part of your worship. You need to be faithful professionally. Also, Daniel distinguished himself not only in a good work ethic, but in fact, the, the English Standard Version reads this way, then Daniel became distinguished above other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. Now, beyond just having the spirit of God, he, this is talking about his attitude. Not just his actions, but he had a good attitude. He wasn't the person that used to go around complaining all the time about what they didn't like and complaining about the boss and complaining about the work and boo-hoo and oh, how bad, and I'm going to go to HR with everything. That wasn't Daniel. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Even when he was facing persecution, as we're going to find later on in verse 10, this is Daniel's attitude. He's facing persecution. He's facing unfair circumstances. And it says this in verse 10, now when Daniel learned of the decree that has been published and went home, he went home to his upstairs room and he throw, threw the windows open towards Jerusalem and he began to complain. Oh, wait a minute, that's not what it says. He began to get angry and shake his fist. No, that's not what it says. What's it say? Oh, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Giving thanks in the midst of persecution? In the midst of unfair situation, unfair circumstances, he didn't do anything wrong. There was no, nothing that had been found. They couldn't find any corruption in him. And yet, it says that his attitude was one of thanksgiving. Friends, your attitude matters. 
Daniel was faithful professionally. He was faithful every day. Faithfulness professionally not only includes the work that you do, but the attitude that you take to work with you every single day. There were three men doing the same job. They were doing exactly the same task, and a man walked up to them, and he said to the one, the first guy, he said, hey, what are you doing? And the man said, I'm breaking rocks, just breaking rocks. He said, oh, he went up to the second man. He said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm earning a living. Just earning a living. I'm earning a living. Okay, he went to the third man. He said, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I'm building a cathedral. They were all doing the same thing. One of them, I'm breaking rocks. I'm earning a living. I guess that's a little bit better. The third man had a better vision of it, a bigger picture. I'm building a cathedral. You know, when you're doing your work, you're doing it as unto the Lord. You need to have a bigger vision. You need to begin to see what it is that you're contributing. What are you doing? What are you doing that really matters? Attitude is a choice, friends. We've got to have the right attitude. And Daniel had an excellent spirit. Thirdly today, Daniel was faithful under scrutiny. Under scrutiny. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds to charge against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. In other words, they were digging around for dirt. You know, politics is a dirty thing, right? They were digging around. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, faithful, neither corrupt nor negligent. And so what did they do? Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis of charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps uh, went as a group to the king, and they started to butter him up. Look what they say. May Darius live forever. King Darius, may you live forever. We're going to brown nose you. You're so wonderful. And the royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, they all agree that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any other god or human being for the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, you're the one, Darius, you're so glorious. Nobody can pray to anybody but you. And if they do, that they'll be thrown into the lion's den. Your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so it can't be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be Repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. The satraps, the administrators, they were jealous. They were jealous. Friends, how many know that, that the Bible says that as believers, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn? But I got to be honest with you. I think for many of us, the mourning with those who mourn is easy. We can do that. We can mourn with people who mourn. Do you know what I find is harder? To rejoice with those who rejoice. We have a hard time when somebody gets promoted or something good happens in somebody's life. Oftentimes we get the woe is me attitude. Oh, why is God always blessing them and not me? I've been more faithful than they are. How come they always get all the breaks? Oh, boo-hoo. I'm going to tell you something. When God's hand is on you, when you are faithful consistently, when you're faithful professionally, when you're faithful spiritually, when you, have, when you are faithful to the Lord, guess what? Not everybody's going to like it. And they, they began to dig around with Daniel. They were trying to find something in Daniel, but you know what? They couldn't. Why? Because Daniel was faithful under scrutiny. Throughout his life, whether it was I will not defile myself in chapter one, or whether it was being honest with the king and telling the king what he didn't want to hear about his pride in Daniel chapter four, no matter what it was, Daniel was always faithful. And even though he was faithful, it didn't mean that scrutiny didn't come. But in the midst of the scrutiny, they could not find any corruption. They couldn't find any dirt. They couldn't find any guilt. Why? Because Daniel was faithful. Daniel was faithful. He was a cut above. Fourthly, I got to hurry. 
because I, I, I want to meet all of you new folks who are coming. I hope you come to the, to the luncheon that we're having afterwards. You come to the party. We want to see all of you. But fourthly, Daniel was faithful spiritually. He was faithful spiritually. When no corruption could be found professionally or personally, guess what they did? They began to attack him spiritually. We read about it. They said, unless, unless there's something with the law of his God, according to the law of his God, unless there's something, then, 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 then we're never going to get rid of this guy. And so they devised a plan. They came together and devised a plan that was going to attack him spiritually, that was going to be genuine persecution uh, when it came to his faith. What is Daniel going to do? Well, verse 10 again. Now, when Daniel learned that a decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And here's the key phrase, just as he had done before. This was not a new pattern. Do you know why they chose prayer when they went to King Darius and made a law? Because they saw, they saw and knew Daniel, Daniel had been doing this for years. This was not something new. This was his pattern. This was his habit. This was his daily discipline. This was a part of who he was. And they attacked the part of who he was. Friends, I want to tell you, this was not a rebellion thing. Sometimes when somebody wants to make some kind of a law, we get our nose all ruffled up and we go, you're not going to control me. You're not going to do that to me. That wasn't Daniel's attitude. Daniel's attitude was not out of rebellion because Daniel had been doing this consistently. Daniel went back to simply doing what he'd always done. That's faithfulness. Spiritually, you say, well... Daniel, couldn't you have been, you know, couldn't there, weren't there, were there other options? I mean, it's 30 days. Can't you just not pray for 30 days? You have to cause so much problem. Just, just don't pray for 30 days. Or you know what? Why do you got to open up the windows like you always do? Just pray quietly so nobody hears you. Just pray silently at your desk. Why do you got to make it so public? The problem is, is that if, if Daniel would have done that, he would not have remained faithful to God, number one. Because it was a part of his discipline. It was a part of what he did. And he would have given in and not remained faithful to God. And secondly, he would have given in and they would have said, oh, now we know how we can get to him. See, he's not, he's not as faithful as you might think he is. Daniel remained faithful spiritually. He remained faithful. Friends, he recognized that it's better to die for a conviction than live with a compromise. It's better to die with a conviction than live with a, a compromise. Daniel was faithful spiritually. He doesn't compromise, and he'd been doing that since the very beginning. Friends, he remained faithful spiritually even when there was a cost. So I'm going to land the plane. And I want to ask you, who can find a faithful man or woman? Daniel was faithful consistently. He was faithful professionally. He was faithful under scrutiny. He was faithful spiritually. And Solomon asked the question, who can find a faithful man? And I ask you today, have you been faithful? Have you been faithful? Have you been faithful to God? Have you been faithful to your marriage? Have you been faithful to your friendship? Have you been faithful consistently working with excellence as unto the Lord in your work professionally? Have you been faithful to the Lord? Faithfulness is simply long obedience in the same direction. Worship team, come as we close today. Let me tell you a true story. 
guy by the name of George Bolt, B-O-L-D-T, Bolt, George Bolt. He was a, managed a small hotel in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was not much, and he was a pretty good manager, but he didn't have a whole lot. And uh, one evening, there was a couple that came strolling into the lobby, and they were looking for a room. And when they came in, unfortunately, his hotel was full and there were no rooms that were there. In fact, the city had been packed and there was really no rooms anywhere uh, within the city, no vacancy. And he told them, I'm sorry, I have no vacancy, there's no room. And they turned around and were about to walk out when he stopped them, recognizing that they weren't going to find a room anywhere else. And he said, but wait a minute, you know what, I'll give you my room. I'm here and I have a room here. You know what, I'll give you my room for the night and I'll sleep on the couch. And they said, no, no, no. And he goes, no, I insist, really, you're not going to find a room anywhere else. Just take my room tonight. Just take my room for the night. So they did. And the next morning they got up after they had spent the night there and they were checking out of the hotel and the elderly gentleman that, that, uh, that had stayed in the room there had stopped him. And he said, you know, you're a you're a really good hotel manager. You're a really good manager. You ought to manage the biggest and finest hotel in, in all the world. And you know what? I'm going to build it for you. And he kind of laughed it off. Thanks for the compliment, you know, but, you know, never really thought anything of it. Didn't really think it would really come to pass. But several years later, he received a letter in the mail from the gentleman that had stayed, the elderly gentleman, inviting him to come to New York. And it reminded him, in, in the letter, it reminded him of the story of when they had come and stayed and had given up his room. And inside the envelope was a ticket to New York to cover all his travel expenses. And so he traveled up to New York and he met the man. The man took him to Manhattan, downtown New York City, to this big, beautiful hotel. And the elder gentleman stood in front of it and had him look at it. And he said, you like this? And he says, wow, that's a, a really nice hotel. And he said, it's yours. Remember when I told you I was going to build a hotel for you to manage? I want you to manage this one. Who was that elderly gentleman? William Waldorf Astor, one of the wealthiest men in America, who built the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, one of the finest hotels ever. What's the moral of the story? The elderly gentleman knew that if George could be faithful in managing the small hotel in Philadelphia, that he would be capable, more than capable, of managing the most beautiful and best hotel in New York City. Kind of reminds me of the verse that we read earlier that Jesus said to his servant in the parable, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. Take charge of 10 cities. Friends, you need to understand that faithfulness is not just a quality for here, but God honors and rewards faithfulness in eternity. We are saved by grace. Amen. We are saved by grace, but we are rewarded by our faithfulness. So let me ask you again, are you faithful? If God were to ask the question, can I find a faithful man, a faithful woman, would your name be ascribed to it? Are there areas in your life where you have not been faithful? Areas in your life where you've not been faithful to the Lord? Areas in your life where you're lacking faithfulness? Today's the day to repent, today's the day to say, God, will you forgive me and will you help me today that I would be faithful to you, faithful to you. Let's bow our heads today. Maybe today you're here and you've never, maybe you need to give your life to Christ today. Like those that were water baptized, maybe today it's time for you to acknowledge that 
I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today, that I need his forgiveness for my sin. I need him to wash my sin away. I need to give my life to him. Maybe that's you today, or maybe you once served the Lord, but you have walked away and you have not been faithful, and today you need to repent today, and you need to give your life back to Christ. You need to recommit your life to him and say, God, I, I surrender my life back to you. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. If that's you, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, will you respond today? If you're here in person, will you lift up your hand? If you're online, will you just put it in the chat or the comments and let us know or email us info at PainesvilleAG.com? I want to give my life to Christ. Is there anyone at all? I want to give my life to Jesus or I need to recommit my life to Christ today. Secondly, today you're here and you'd say, you know, there are areas in my life that I have not been faithful and today I need to get some things right. I need to repent today. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? I need to give, I need, there's some things I got to get right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your great love and your faithfulness towards us. That while we were yet sinners, you died for us, Jesus. Father, we pray today that you'll help us with those areas in our life where we have not been faithful. And if we've not committed our life to you, if we've not given our lives or surrendered our lives to you, Jesus, today we do. Today we surrender our life to you. We ask you, Jesus, to come into our lives, to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, today we repent of our unfaithfulness. And Lord, today we just ask that you would give us the strength and the grace that we might walk and be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.